the Buffalo Bills squeak past the Los Angeles Chargers and keep their playoff hopes alive, controlling their own destiny. And the Sabres remain consistently inconsistent as they have all season. All of this and more on this edition of the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. Are back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Kelly. Hope you all had a happy holiday out there. And as always, I'm joined by none other than Dom Loss. Dom, before we jump in here, how how was your holiday holiday weekend? Great. You know, I won my fantasy championship in my family league. Uh, oh, there you go. Advanced in the finals in our league, so mm-hmm. uh, fantasy was kind. The holidays it was great. Spend time with the fam, so yeah, happy to be back here with a Bills win and a very very successful Bills, you know, outside of the Bills game weekend as well. So yes, yeah, me, I mean, fantasy was an interesting week as well. I showed you before the show. There's a tie that advanced me to the championship, uh, never before seen. Uh, very interesting there. And yes, we are back with the Bills victory. And as mentioned in that intro, they do control their own destiny now. A lot of things went in their favor. So without further ado, though, let's take a look at this Bills win before we get into the Dom Five and roll the highlights so first I think his name's Grape Davis he shows up every few games and like has an outstanding performance so uh, Josh Allen rolls out to the right looking for help takes a shot down the field catches Gabe Davis in stride Davis shoves his way in uh, stays up while facing physical contact so you know you can't really ask for more than that uh, after he was kind of quote-unquote left out the past few weeks Uh, it's nice to see him getting uh, involved again and doing Gabe Davis things when he's needed to do Gabe Davis things. So uh, that was Gabe Davis's first touchdown right there. Um, not of the season, of course, but of that game. And uh, listen, what do you, I mean, just a quick question here for you. Since Grape Davis has been the name, there's not been a lot of action for Grape. What, uh, was that a positive mark, you think, going forward here for the playoffs and the rest of the season? I just think he's channeling his Sabres being consistently inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. No, no better way to put that. All right, second highlight. Let's roll it. Josh Allen takes the ball, and he runs it himself right out to the right and up into the end zone. Flips it to what looks like a Bills fan there. But James Cook pulled off some some coverage there, and Allen was able to slide out to the right and rush right into the end zone. Um, again, that's 11 games straight with a passing and rushing touchdown for the lad now. So he is... Uh, He's still absolutely on fire. Um, it's it's kind of it's insane, honestly, to have a quarterback who's achieving that and doing it consistently, not like the Sabres being in, consistently inconsistent. But all right, next highlight. Let's roll it. The Buffalo shove, the tush push, whatever it may be. Allen likes to go to the left. They found the sweet spot there. Allen goes in, another touchdown. And taking a look at that, that second half rushing touchdown right there, was the quarterback's 50th in his six-year career, and now he only trails O.J. Simpson for the second most in team history. So that's a, I mean, 
for a quarterback trailing one of the greatest running backs in team history. I mean, out, outside history aside, of course, but I mean, that's, that's outstanding right there. So um, you can't really ask for more than that. And they end up outlasting the chargers uh, running the clock down and, you know, going from there. So, I mean, it was a nail biter a little bit at the end there. I was up, I was, I was up pumping my arms around watching the game and uh, it, it came down to it a little bit at the end there, but Tyler Bass nails one in at the end, and they call it quits on the Los Angeles Chargers. So, Dom, what do you what do you think? What do you, what do you, uh, what was your before we get into the Dom five last minute of the game? What it, like when Khalil Shakir's touchdown? He was ruled down. What are you thinking? What's going through your head? Because I we'll um, talk in a minute, but go just ahead. Just don't fumble. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, just take care of the ball. I think they. Made the right decision and just kind of. I would have just flat out just if you're gonna just run the ball, I would have flat out kneeled. Oh um, yeah. I mean, I guess you want to run the ball because there's potential. Maybe you get um, a run that obviously if they would have got down to one, they would have got a first down, and that would have basically I wouldn't say sealed the game, but they still didn't make the kick, but they would have been able to take the clock down to triple zeros. Yeah. Um. So I guess you want some of that potential, but um. At that point, I mean, I think you get to trust your kicker to make a 35-yard field goal. So I think you would just—I would have just personally knelt it at that point. Um, but yeah, just don't fumble, make the kick through the uprights, and then they had what 23 seconds. So they did. 23 seconds from the 30. It was just don't let them get in, don't give up a big play in the middle of the field, and don't let them go out of bounds. And obviously, Ed gets the big sack. And yeah, Ed. I mean, Ed Oliver called out on buff, uh, betting on the Bills on Friday. He was my—he was my guy. I think I mentioned so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he rode, rode the, rode the horse off the field. Uh, so, um, you know, you can't ask for anything more out of the defense there. McDermott did a good job calling that to stop that from going forward. But what do you say? You think it's time? I do for the down five Can waiting we... all weekend for the down five. We got to make a jingle. We got to, we got to, we got to take Underwood that it? from Carrie Underwood. Oh, yeah. God. All right. Number one, please. <laughs> uh, a dub is a dub is a dub. A win is a win is a win. Um, not the prettiest of wins. Um, same score that they lost den- to the Denver, twenty-four, twenty-two. Just not not the best performance. Obviously, you get a special teams fumble. Obviously, Josh of a you know poor interception. Yeah. Um, you know the James Cook fumble when you're trying to get some momentum back. I just it was penal- poor. I mean drives that got killed by penalty. Starting out, you know, trailing ten zero on the road. Um. Yeah, I mean, we talked about in the on the buff on the betting on the bills is that you can't beat, don't beat yourself, and don't have like a special teams gaffe and you'll dominate. And well, they had a special teams gaffe and they beat themselves a little bit. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. It doesn't matter really how it's just in college football. It's the National Football League, and yeah, it's no style points. And just happy to get through that one with a win. Yeah. Uh. Beating themselves, that was about there. Three turnovers in a game, uh, you should not be winning. But the Chargers, Chargers. So at the end of the day, the Chargers outchargered you. Um, and they had a lot going for them. They were rallying around the coach. Easton Stick was having a great game. Um, and the Bills, yeah, they shot themselves in the foot. They wanted to start fast. They started fast in the wrong way uh, in the mistakes. And then they buttoned it up in the second half and did what they needed to do to get the win. So can't ask for anything more than that, for sure. Yes, yeah, well. I mean, I actually, you can. You can wish, ask for a lot more than that. I would have wished it was a little bit easier than that, but yeah, yeah. On, on, <laughs> on number two. As you said, a win is a win is a win. So. A win is, then there you go. Uh, the playoff odds are looking good. Obviously, um, got the result on Saturday with 
our boy George Pickens having a big game. Uh, that basically let the Bills know that they won the last three games. They were going to make the playoffs. Um, then everything else kind of fell their way other than the only thing that kind of was didn't go their way was the division. But literally every result other than, I, was, I guess, Baltimore. But, um, yeah, really good week. And now there's clinching scenarios for Week 17 for to get in with 10. We talked about it. Again, the Buffalonian betting on the Bills is that, you know, their odds of finishing 11 wins increased, but their odds of getting in the playoffs of 10 wins decreased a little bit last week. But yes. this week, again, everything went their way, and now they have a situation where they just need Pittsburgh and Cincinnati to drop another game and them to obviously win another game. And we're in. I mean, New England took out the Broncos. They're at eight losses. Yeah. That was a good game, too, to watch, honestly. One of the AFC cell teams between Houston and Indianapolis are going to get knocked out with eight. So, again, just, you know, can the AFC North lose a couple? Can Jacksonville maybe lose one? Can one of those other two teams lose one? We'll see. But, yeah, it was, it was a good week to be a Buffalo Bills supporter, even outside of the Bills games. Yeah. I mean, Miami would have been the only thing you wanted to go the other way at that yep. point. So, um, but yeah, at that point, the Bills playoff odds are very, they're, they're high. 93-94. Yeah, 93-94. So. Um, so taking a look too, I mean, the Bills AFC East odds piggybacking on that, there's still a high chance for that as well. If Miami drops another game and the Bills win, there's a very doable scenario there and the Bills then would be the two seed. So there are a lot of avenues for the Bills to actually make it and go from there. So Yeah, it was it was a good week from other than obviously the division, but it was a good week for them to get in the playoffs and it was a good week for seeding. Um, yes. Because as you allude to that Kansas City has kind of <laughs> worked themselves out of not even the one seed but the two seed as well because the only way they get in to the two seed now is if Buffalo loses out and Miami loses next week. Right. Um, yeah. Sorry, Miami has to lose out and the I'm sorry, I messed it up. Miami has to lose out to go eleven six. They had to win out to go eleven six, and they need Buffalo to lose to New England and beat Miami to go ten seven. At that point they'd have the tiebreaker over Miami at eleven six. That's the scenario where the Chiefs um have the two seed. Yeah, the two seed. So yeah, yeah. I mean everything's kind of looking up for the Bills. Uh, doom and gloom. I remember a couple episodes were titled a couple weeks ago, and we are in a completely different scenario yeah. right went, now. Went out and Miami loses out into the two, which is kind of just a weird way to end the season. But yeah, yeah, here, here we are. So I'm <laughs> uh, number three. Yes, sir. Allen comes up huge again. I think there's been multiple times throughout the season where, you know, the Jets game, the Broncos game, even the Pats game where, you know, those are our losses. But, you know, Josh hasn't played his best football, but then in the biggest moments of the game, he comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think he was peak Josh uh, on Saturday. Uh, I know the stats, I mean, high QBR, over 100 pass rating, you know, the one interception was just a poor dis- I don't know if decision is the right word, other than it was maybe a poor mechanics on the throw. I think he had a little bit more time to set his feet and throw it and not underthrow him. Right. Um, Collinsworth even alluded to that on the broadcast. But even if all, you know, I think he was off a little bit in the beginning of the game and Shakir bailed him out on that one catch. But I mean, the two deep bombs to Davis, the plays in the, in, you know, on the ground, uh-huh. being the goal line back, the plays on the third downs and the final drive. So um, yeah, he came up big again. I think for me with this offense, it's just going to come down to Josh throwing the ball 21 times and James Cook running the ball 20 times. Is just I just don't think a healthy split. Uh, they ran the ball actually. I mean, if talk, I'm taking out Josh. Lenny had five carries as well. Yeah, we saw um, his debut. That's so right. I don't know. I just think it's a situation where I think 
yeah, they grounded and pounded Dallas, and I think it's good that they can find that to win. But I, I think they leaned a little bit. I think Joe Brady leaned a little bit too heavy into the the, the run running game a little bit, and yep. especially early down runs. I, I, you know, especially those first down runs, just felt like they kept getting in second and eight and second and nine because they weren't getting success on those. And right, I, I think that would be my complaint of the game is that I think you should. They should have had more Josh Allen and a little bit less James Cook in this game. Right, and I think they were coming off the high of James Cook against Dallas last week, basically curb stopping them himself. So I think you wanted to see if that was going to work against the Chargers, and at, at first you saw that was not going to be how this game was going to be won. So that's kind of where that came from there. But they did adjust in the second half, like you said, and Allen making those big plays, he's like that toxic X, right? He, I mean, he blows your, blows your mind, rocks your world, but then he can also just – turn his back on you and do some crazy things, right? So I feel like it's a little mix of both, but more times than not, that guy breathes Buffalo. He is the reason they're in these situations, and he proves it. You know, makes those big plays to Gabe Davis, rushes it up the middle, shows the physicality, and, you know, he he he's the first player in NFL history to record 40-plus touchdowns in four consecutive seasons after this game. You know what I mean? Like, that's huge. Like, he's the man. He is the man. Mm-hmm. On to number four, where this guy's also could be considered in he's the man. Uh, he's in the man conversation? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is him. Oh, yeah. Uh, Look at that picture. If, yeah. you're on, if you're watching on YouTube or on anywhere we're streaming, this is awesome. Again, I, I don't think we I – mean, I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but, you know, Ed having a big year, I think he's up to eight and a half sacks or something like that now. Yeah, career and, season high. And, uh, yeah, to basically get the big play to win the game – I should say win the game, but seal the game – at the end there, he's just having a big year, and in the biggest moments, it seems like they could count. He's kind of developed into that closer kind of gene that they thought they were gonna get from Von Miller. So yeah, yeah, really happy with uh, his play this entire season, and um, yeah, really another dominant performance in the middle of that defense. Yeah, I just have to say, hmm, hmm, who called who called that Oliver breaking out this season for the Bills? I think there's a a, a podcast. You know that that's that's pretty solid on on these predictions this year. I I feel like I feel like in the beginning of the season we said Ed was going to ride that horse all the way over the all across the field there, and he has been. I mean, extended his career high to eight and a half sacks. He's been an absolute monger in the backfield. So keep doing what you're doing, Ed. Your big reason the defense is where it is, even with all these injuries. So um, yeah, I have nothing more to say than that. This he is definitely in the man conversation for sure. And then finally, a little bit of a lower take, but. I think people will agree with this one. Oh boy, here we go. Puna deserves a game day spot, uh, roster spot. I I think it was silly. I don't think Tim. I still think Tim Sullivan played that bad uh, on Saturday. Um, but I just think it's silly that Puna Ford has been a healthy scratch pretty much for the past two months. Yes, I think he deserves to get playing time, and he played very well yesterday. On yesterday, Saturday, last game, and I just I just believe you know their best. Core is him, Puna, Leval, Joseph, Ed Oliver, and if they get Daquan back. If not Daquan, then Tim Settle. So I think I think Puna Ford deserves to be a, a, a consistent, getting consistent playing time and being active on game days. Yeah, that D line you just described all the way, uh, that would be, have me quaking in my boots if I was on the offensive line. You got Daquan back, and then you've got Puna, uh, Joseph, and Ed Oliver. Uh, listen, Puna definitely deserves an active game day spot. He proved that against the Chargers. He's proven it other times in the season as well. When they've given him the opportunities, he's played well. So, um, And like you said, Tim Settle didn't play that bad. It's not necessarily a hit on him. It's just Puna Ford's really been yeah. – he, he, he had a great game. Yeah. 
So that ends the down five. I know we're going to go into question today in a second, but just briefly before we get into that, um, I feel like Josh's MVP chances kind of increased, kind of didn't. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's a little weird. Because I think Purdy th- literally threw himself out of the race. Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> Very think, much so. I think Tyreek's injuries, again, anything can happen in the last two weeks. I'm just taking realistic. Realistically, I think Tyreek had to get to 2,000 and him, or at least break Megatron's record. And it's looking like he's not going to be able to do that. Again, hopefully he doesn't because if he does, then he probably went off against the Bills. Uh, yeah, that, that, that would be an indicator. Yeah, that would be um, rough. That would be rough. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to become an interesting debate. Obviously, it matters how the season ends. Um, I think if the Bills win their two games, I think Josh won't be denied i don't know it's gonna be i think it's become a little bit more interesting about how you view what mvp is it very much so um, has, yeah as a person that picked lamar jackson as the preseason mvp i'm kind of i'm kind of um conflicted you pat yourself on the back though that's a pretty good pick a little bit I mean, he's, that, he's that had that a great was, season i think we talked about it yeah. in the betting on the bills and we did it. i think he was 14 18 to 1 man that would have been a sick payday but um, it's, I think it's, a, obviously Mahomes, uh, has played himself out of the race. Yes. Um, especially with the temper tantrums on the sideline as well. Yeah. That doesn't help. I think Dak, I know Dak's had a really good statistical season, but I think the, the, the boys now losing two straight games to the Bills and Dolphins. And now obviously he has a big game against the Lions. So I guess we'll see with that. But I think realistically them most likely not winning the division yeah. i know i'm gonna say though i think if the bills go 11 and 6 and not win the division i still think josh has a good chance oh I for d- sure i don't think i think Dak kind of lost out um because of that but yeah i think i think it's really gonna come down to lamar and josh if josh wins his last two if josh doesn't win his last two i think it's probably gonna go to lamar but i think c-mac deserves some consideration i just think it's gonna be really hard to give it to a, a non-quarterback, which is unfortunate because he and Tyreek are having a really good year, and they're probably, if you want to say the most deserving, it's probably those two, but right. it's just kind of a quarterback award. And Well, that's why they have Offensive Player of the Year at the end of the day. Sure, you know what sure, I mean? Like, that's sure. Kind of yep, the, absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of why they split it like that. But you're right. It is a quarterback award, and at the end of the day, I think a lot of people realize that. Even the players do. Um, if the Bills make the playoffs after being ruled out at 6-6 six and six, at 500 a couple weeks ago, pretty much, um, Josh Allen has to be in the conversation. Sure, no I think I, I think I think if Josh, if they listen, if they win the next two games, Josh is easily going to get votes. Oh, for um, sure, he won't be Russell Wilson and ever get an MVP vote. Remember <laughs> that was always the talk yes. about with Russ Cook never voted for the MVP, but yeah. I think Josh will get some votes. It's just I I just hope it doesn't become quarter. I, listen, this isn't a knock on Lamar. I just think the Ravens defense has been elite all year, and I think the stats have stats have to mean for some some stuff. I do agree that. From the perspective of, I think if you watched the Niners game, just his ability to get defense is so conflicted and yeah. his playing. I mean, he's right up there, Josh, in total yards. So I, that's why I always get like the total touchdown things is a little like, yeah, like Josh has probably been a better passer, better goal line running back, but Lamar's probably been a yeah, you know, it's it's so close between those two. Where There's trade offs between the two of them. I just think statistically, the problem is for Lamar is that he's so it's not even that he's so far away from Allen per se it's that he's so far away from past MVPs including his own season where it just would be kind of like I just think you set yourself up for you know a problem down the road if you 
end up giving a guy that probably doesn't have the stats but has the wins because then what do you what's the reason what what's the point of playing you know the games per se if it's just, you're just going to give it to the quarterback on the number one team in the league yeah no I, I absolutely I mean it can't be for the team that's going to the Super Bowl it I mean it can for sure if that quarterback's playing like the best well quarterback, they don't get they vote after the season right but I, that's what I'm saying like it. It's got to be if it's if the guy who's out in the first round, even in the wild card, right? They they don't vote on it. They vote on it after week eighteen. Oh, after week eighteen. They do not the playoffs. They don't. It's a it's a regular season award. Okay. Well, no. Here's the thing. Here's what I'm trying to say. Even if the Bills are the sixth seed going into the playoffs, right? And Mm -hmm. the Ravens are the one seed. Mm -hmm. At the end of the season, Mm -hmm. the seeding shouldn't necessarily, like you said, count towards the the vote for the single player. You know what I mean? Do you I mean, think? Yes, yes, do you yes, think? I, I, wins should matter. Like, I'm not. I think if your your team. But are wins a quarterback stat to matter? Not, not absolutely. But I think Lamar and Josh are both so important to the offense. They're based. I mean, they're one man offenses. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the the Josh and Lamar, you could probably put in any situation and get pretty good offensive production because they're just so good on the ground and. Obviously through the air as well. So, I I get what you're saying. I don't. I I think wins do matter though. I think you have to. Put, I just think when do, you know, if Josh gets to 11, 11 is eleven. Like if you know, what I mean, like it's a difference between if we're arguing a guy that, you know, may have had the statistical advantage, but his team went nine eight. You know what I mean? And the other team won thirteen four. Like four wins. That's a pretty big. But if you guys are both double digits, both. You know, up there, Lamar might get to 13, Josh gets to 11. Like, I think that's a close enough gap where... Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. But, now. like, yeah. I, I'm mm-hmm. saying it from the perspective, wins matter. I mean... If they get in at 9-8 and eight versus I mean, it's the reason. It's the reason why, I mean, I, I, it's not the best argument because he just absolutely crapped the bed. But, like, Mahomes, Mahomes, if they went... If they would have won their last three games and went 12-5, and five, like, I don't know if he would have won MVP, but, like... He would at least had an argument because he because of how he, his team has played. Now that I mean, he played awful on on yesterday, so like yeah. he has no chance. That now. was rough. Yeah. Um, but I, I, wins have to matter at some point. But I, I think for the MVP, it's really who had the best statistical season and who is the most valuable player. And then you can make a case that's Lamar. Like I think I don't. I, that's why I always say like with Purdy and Tua, like. It's interesting, like Tua, per, per, Purdy and Tua. Like, I'm sorry, but like the stats are amazing. But like, we just saw it. Like, yeah, Tua less than Purdy. I think Purdy's more of a not as good as Tua, but like, Tua shown promise. Yeah, there you see it. But you, you see it with that. So yesterday. So I think stats matter. Eye test matters. Wins matter. And I think Josh could have a potential to have kind of all three. Yeah. If they win out, uh, I think Lamar really has. Everything uh, except maybe the the bona fide MVP stats. So I don't know. It's gonna be two, two twenty eighteen quarterbacks going back and forth. Yeah, I mean that draft class continues to kind of show out too. Baker Mayfield put out a performance against yeah, the Jags and Baker helped us out nice. too. So yeah. yeah, listen, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting seeing the MVP race come down to a close here because I it depending on w- what situations happen where things can get interesting. I think and real real chance for Josh, but there is. What do you think? Let's go to the question of the day. There we go. Worry meter for Diggs' low usage. So I think the question – I don't think Diggs' usage is low. I think it's more of his effectiveness, his his efficiency. 
uh, as one would say. He's still getting the targets. Um, maybe just not having the production. Still at, still love the team of eight targets uh, on Saturday. I know the Cowboys game, I believe he had 11. That might be wrong, but I, 11, 11 probably wrong. He, probably, he had... He's consistently getting it. It's just like his 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 catch percentage has gone down. So I think that's a greater concern to me than his like usage. But yeah. for me, for the meter, I would put it at at a six, six seven. I'm definitely concerned because I think this passing game kind of goes where um, Stefan Diggs goes a little bit. Uh, they definitely have a ceiling if he doesn't play his best or if he's you know banged up, obviously with that neck injury potentially. So yeah. Uh, definitely a little bit concerned just via the injuries. And I just think, again, my complaint, slight complaint with Joe Brady has been, I think I'm all for running the ball and, you know, doing what's working. I didn't feel like they ran the ball particularly well against the Chargers. I know they had the one drive, um, the second touchdown drive where they ran the ball really well. I just didn't think they ran the ball very well at all in the second half. And I know you don't want to be a consistent drop back team at any, anyone wants to be, but I mean, when you have Josh Allen, it, mitigates that factor so yeah if i was that that would be my one complaint is i think they needed get i think they need to be a little slightly more get the passing rate up a little bit more than the rush rate yeah i mean i would agree with you on that i think again it's joe brady's just getting his feet wet this season not that that's an excuse but i feel like the longer it goes on the more involved he'll get in his decision making getting the pass game going i'd have it at a five six around the same as you honestly um i I Diggs com- comes up big in certain situations, right? He had a big couple big catches in the the Chargers game that moved the move the chains. So, uh, you know, they were really only using him in the screen game for, at first uh, since Joe Brady's taken over. I've noticed that, and even when Dorsey was around, they were doing that, but more frequently now. But yeah, they definitely need to utilize him more in the the passing game and just get the passing reps up in in general. Sure. Under Joe. I mean, I, I think from my perspective. Being a little bit more concerned, I think it's the job of the offensive coordinator and the quarterback to get whether well, the offensive coordinator, but uh, through passing the quarterback is to get the best players of the ball in their hands. And yeah, Stephon Diggs is their best player in offense, not non Josh Allen. And um, you know, it's been um under Joe Brady, other than really the Eagles game, it's kind of been we're at a trend here a little bit now. Uh, what was that? Five games now? Cause they were five and five. Yep. Yeah. So five, five games now of Joe Brady and we're at a little bit of a trend where Alan Diggs' production has really fallen off a little bit. So again, I, I think he's na- getting nagged by some kind of injury, but at the same time, I, I would like to be a little bit more efficient when targeting Stefan Diggs Cause um, he's one of the best receivers in the game. And he really is the engine that makes this offense go when he's on, uh, it's very hard to stop this passing attack. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm right there with you on that. And you know, like you said, that nagging injury. We don't know necessarily that could be doing something, but you never know in these situations. And at the end of the day, he's Stefan Diggs. And uh, I mean, looking back, people say you know he could be double covered, whatnot. And he was in 2020 when he really broke out and came here with Josh, or 2021, whatever that might be. I forget. Um, and, you know, they still worked him into the offense. So I think it'll get better and better as time goes on, though. I'm not I'm not necessarily um, spazzing out quite yet. But if we get into next season and we're like, all right, Diggs has no production to start in the first five games, then we have a problem, you know? Yeah, so, sure. yeah. Then the worry meter might go up to a 9-10, I would say. Then, then it's like, all right, we got to figure something out here. But I think, 
Time for the Sabres? Time for the Sabres. The consistently inconsistent Sabres? You just love... You gotta get a t-shirt <laughs> for that. But let's just go right into the Dom... Well, I don't even know what to call it, but we're just gonna do the Dom the, this is, Yeah, the Sabres, Dom, the whatever. Sabres, Dom version. I guess the whatever three, because it's just so, like, you know, I don't know. Like, it's, yeah. I don't know if I even... Like, it's just... I don't know. Just roll it. Oh, what a weird team. But here we go. Number one. Thank you. Uh, Quinn is back. Uh, our man, Jack Quinn. Love Jack Quinn. Yes. We're a big Jack Quinn. We saw his first game. Saw his first game. Nearly saw his first crew goal. Nearly. Um, we are we are part of the Quinn Hive uh, for sure. Uh, glad to see him back. Looked pretty healthy. I, I think he's still kind of getting his legs per se, but also scored a nice goal already. So uh, nice to get him back. I just think he adds so much to this team, just lineup flexibility. And also, I just think he's one of the better players on their team. So I think that helps anytime you get one of your better players back. So uh, it's nice to have the return of the quinter. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, like you said, nearly saw his first career goal. So that's, that's, you know, he's, he's a guy we've been following for a little bit here. So yeah, he does add a ton. Um, he's very versatile on the, on the ice and very physical player. I just, it's nice to see him back out there. We've been hyping him up coming back the whole season been a rough season iffy season so far so it's nice to have a positive to talk about here coming into this this week's edition but um listen I think truthfully with Jack Quinn back you got to go back to that offense you had last year and Granado even made a mention of that being Mm -hmm. we might have to you know go back to that high-flying fast-paced offense that we were running last year so with Jack Quinn back though that's plausible I think I think you can start getting back to that I think they're realizing that their best version of themselves is just playing free kind of no, street hockey, no rules kind yeah. of up and down off the rush. You're going to give some stuff back up the rush, but that's just, that's their best version of the buff. These Buffalo Sabres is playing that style and not necessarily the smash mouth hockey team. Yeah. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully they, they get back into that. Cause that was some fun hockey to watch, but on number two, yeah. um, I think we're starting to get into the start of, the Bills special teams and the Sabres goalies we just never talk about anymore because the goalies <laughs> are so frustrating. Uh, you know, Levi craps the bet against Je- the – I was going to say Jacksonville. Holy cow. The Blue Jackets. Uh, and then UPL comes in, doesn't do much better. Levi off a so-so kind of game against – I mean, they scored nine goals against the Leafs. Yeah. Uh, but he was all right. And then the Rangers just – it wasn't all on UPL, but just – horrendous goaltending in overtime. I mean, you saw Vesna winning goaltender and Sturk and make the big saves, and then on a simple going around the net, UPL gets, you know, faked out and leaves the net wide open. It's just it's the difference between winning two points and one point, and you know, goalies matter, and it's frustrating. I think we're, as we alluded to, I think we're going to get back into the high-flying offense, and they need their goalies to be consistent and help that defense out. They're going to have to get in the bail out the team, and yeah. I just again I I have very little confidence that that's going to happen other than maybe Levi. Um, so yeah, I mean Levi's been the mo- the most consistent, if that's a word we can even use. I I don't, I don't know. If, I don't think anyone's really been consistent. No, but if we had to put, a consistency I wouldn't even put meter. it on Levi. I would put it on probably probably UPL. Which yeah, probably been the most consistent. But right, he, but even he's now starting to look a little. Down. You get the highs of UPL and the lows of UPL, and that's the that's the thing. It's just you don't have the one thing that we say we would have liked to see in the offseason is Adams go after a veteran goaltender because we would be in a very different situation right now, I personally think. Because now the entire franchise rests on a 21-year-old's shoulders uh, who has not seen a lot of NHL time, and he's basically just being tossed right into the open flame in the beginning of the season and now. So, Well, 
And then you're with Levi and Comrie. I disagree. You know? I disagree. I don't think this season would have changed that much if they got a veteran goaltender. No? From the perspective of this, I think they would be better off having a st- stable goaltender, veteran goaltender for the room. You know, kind of like how you get you know, that veteran quarterback in uh, when you have a rookie quarterback. Right. And yeah. they try try to replicate that a little bit with having just Craig Anderson stay in the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're, the reason why they're 14-17-4 is because of goaltending. Like, they've kind of gotten league average goaltending, maybe slightly below now. Right. Um, they're 14-17-4 because their power play has been awful and their offense is, like, completely crap the bed. Right. But, but I, I, I think a veteran goalie could help. And I think yeah. maybe if they're going to make the stretch run, yeah, it would be nice to have a veteran goalie because uh, then you'd have someone to rely on. They don't really have that reliability factor, which is definitely true. I just – I don't believe that they – the reason they're in – I don't – goalies, the goaltending really isn't in probably my top three reasons why the Sabres are where they are in the standings. Like, it's it's the power play. It's the offense. It's the inconsistency of the star players. It's the head-scratching lineup decisions. Like – Goalies maybe five. Yeah. Well, I you know, like I agree with that. Hundred percent is definitely not on the goalie, but like you said, not have, saying a veteran wouldn't help, but yeah. Yeah. Right. A veteran being in the room might mm-hmm. be able. You the reliability factor. I'm going to yep. use that because that's huge, and you don't have that. You're going from inconsistent to inconsistent. You don't have that reliable yep. goaltender that could at least, I don't know, just be a wall for a game. You don't know, you know what, what you're I mean? Get. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So exactly, you don't know what you're getting. That's the thing. But on on to number three. Oh God! Best four lines <laughs> of the year, Donnie G. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I I think we allude to this throughout this this talk, but I think having Quinn back, having Tuck back, having Thompson back, having Skinner back is massive because you get your Tuck Thompson Skinner line, you get the kids line of Paterka cousins Quinn, you get the dog line now of Greenway, Melstad, Benson. That's a nice top nine. Like that's a it is. That's a solid top nine. Also, the way that Kyle Poso kind of ever since ever, all year we've been trashing him has really <laughs> played really well. He has um, scored Cra- quite Krabs a bit. Krabs has kind of kind of been whatever, but uh, the fourth line's kind of whatever. But like uh, Poso's playing nice. I would like to see Eric Robinson be in instead of Victor Olson. I know maybe they're trying to find a way to uh, buff both. Olsen's trade value, but yeah, if Olsen's not going to be on the power play, like he doesn't really add anything to the team. Um, so I would like to see Eric Robinson kind of take that spot and have Robinson, Krebs, Oposo as the fourth line. And when Gergensen comes back, I don't really know what they do because I thought it was oh, it's Gergensen and Oposo that are just like t- the the boat anchors. But now ever since Gergensen's left Oposo, Oposo's played really well. So it's kind of like. Maybe it was Gergensen's. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't truly know what to think right now about what to do with Sundus Gergensen's because ever since he left, that I mean, those I mean, Apostles has played a lot better, and he has. Now it's kind of like, are we gonna put? I mean, it, you can't really scratch an assistant captain. I don't think, but I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird situation with that. It is. Uh, I one hundred percent. I was. I was gonna say the same thing. Gergensen's going has just unlocked some feature in Ocposo that we've <laughs> never seen. I don't. I don't really understand it. Like you said, I just. The thing is, now you've got your guys back, like Quinn, the Tuck, Tuck. Oh my God, I just said all of their names together. Tuck, Thompson, and Tuck. Thompson, Tuck, and Skinner line. Uh, that's back. You got the kid line, the Lost Boys line, as we proclaim them. Um, and then you have, you know, Greenway, the the powerhouse line. That, like that top nine. If you were playing that style of offense that we alluded to a little bit ago here, 
I just I think you'd be scoring goals left and right. And yeah, you'd be giving up goals too with the goaltending we have sure. in the defense, but you'd be outscoring, I think, the competition for sure. Yeah, I, I I again that that's a solid top nine. It's also a top nine that eight of the nine are um under contract for next year, yeah. I believe. The only one that isn't is Milstad and he's a restricted free agent. So yeah, it's a it's a nice foundation. It also leads to the producer keeps making the point of like all these prospects don't really know where they're gonna fit in, but I guess that's a conversation for another another pod, another day. Um, but yeah. yeah, really, really liking. Listen, the last two games, they got embarrassed uh, at home by the Blue Jackets. The fire Donnie chance, you know, hopefully maybe that was a turning point for them. Had a down performance against the Leafs. Had a solid showing. I mean, the Rangers. Listen, the Rangers. I think are still the number one team in in terms of points in the National Hockey League. And to go on the road is no small feat, especially trailing for many portions of that game. No, and you come out with a point. And you come out with a point. It's just frustrating because it felt like, you know, you, you know, they're actually number two now in the NHL, but they have three games in hand on uh, Vancouver with two points behind. So I would still say the number one team in that hockey. But, um, yeah, it's just it's frustrating because you get the power play at the end of regulation. Again, you kind of – you don't execute, you take a penalty, and you kill the penalty. So it's like, okay, now we're in normal hockey overtime and just poor goaltending against good, great, fantastic elite goaltending. is just, it's just a tough way to lose out of a point. But hopefully they can go on a little bit of a run here. They definitely, I mean, not hopefully, they, they need to go on a little bit of a run here. Like, it's starting to become, I mean, just, it's going to become, I mean, they already, they already need to be at a very high point pace, I think, of 105 or some, some, Portion like that throughout the last half of the year, and listen, they're getting healthy at the right time. So hopefully the health, hopefully they get Levi and UPL both playing high at the same time. Yep. They could kind of get that consistent goaltending, but everything it, contributes all at once. Hopefully, and they unlock something so that's been locked away. The three they have three games left in the twenty twenty three calendar year. Uh, they are against Boston uh, on Wednesday. On Saturday, they are against Columbus, and then they are in Ottawa. For the thirty first, so back to back two last two days of the year, two two games. So, um, hopefully they could get a little bit of a roll. Like Columbus just whooped them, so I was gonna say that should be <laughs> easy, that should be two points. But who knows? Ottawa's behind them in the standings. Obviously, Boston's a tough task task for sure. But hopefully they you know four days of rest, kind of get the legs going for the second half of the year. Yeah, I I think they can again if you go back to that offense and. Looking at these opponents, you're in one of the more competitive divisions in hockey, right? That's that's always a tough task. And you're going to Boston. Or, or no, Boston's coming here. Sorry, I forget what yes, you said. Boston's coming Boston's coming here. So hopefully the home crowd can do something against them. But uh, we'll see what happens there. And, uh, yeah, we're closing out the 2023 year. It's the last pod technically, no? Friday's the, 30, Friday's the 30th, I think, right? So we'll do betting on the bills before the year's over. Yes. But, um, yeah. Last Sabres talk of 2023 right now. So yes, this is uh this is big stuff happening here. So, but what do you, what do you think they're going to go in those three games? I don't know. You know, I, mean, I hate doing the record. I know. Stuff. I know. Hopefully two. I just one. have to ask. Hopefully I, four to six. Hopefully four points out of six. Yes. I think, I think getting, I think this roster is big to get Skinner, Thompson and Tuck. I know, we're talk, but to get those three guys kind of who were maybe a little bit banged up, kind of a little bit like digs to get those guys kind of back. Maybe closer to 100%. I think it'll be big. So, yeah. hopeful for that. And, um, yeah, it was a fun talking about the Sabres for the 23, 23 calendar year. Maybe not a lot of towards ups. the tail end. Yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs. A lot of ups, lots of downs. It's kind of consistently inconsistent like the team, honestly, um, I would say. Yeah. 
But um, hopeful to get all your guys' thoughts and prayers for my fantasy championship uh, this this week. Me as well. We're both in a um, fantasy championship. Currently, I looked at it and I'm a 16 point favorite. But uh, yeah, I don't know how uh, how accurate those numbers are. But I'm a one point favorite. Okay. So this is gonna be it's gonna come yeah, down no, to the end here. I still think I got a nail biter. Um, Mark, the defending champions in the final against me, we split. So uh, it's it's we had the two best teams all year split in the regular season, both advanced in the semifinals after our bye. So it's kind of, it was the final that everyone wanted, and we got it. So it's happening. Yeah, it's 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 happening. So without further ado, it's gonna do it for this edition of the Buffalonian Podcast. I'm Joe Kelly. As always, I'm joined by Dom Loss. And thank you to our producer, Mooch, for everything you do before, during, and after the show. Hope everyone had a happy holiday out there. We will see you one more time in 2023. But if we don't catch you, if you don't catch us before, have a happy new year. We'll catch you in 2024. And Dom, how do you always end these, buddy? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills.